And I'm Allie. And it's About Time for True Crime. Hey. Hi, how are you? How are you guys doing? Are you guys good? How's your week going? Are you guys having a better day than the girl I saw at the gas station today? Because (laughs) let me tell you, homegirl Florida leaving the pump. Yeah. With it still in her car. No. And so (laughs) I'm... Pumping mine, there was a guy next to me on the other side of him was where she was. Yeah. So she floors it. It rocks the whole thing. It took the pump out of his car. Oh, my god! Like, it gosh. fell out because it, like, jerked it so much. And it must have maybe just been barely in his or something. <gasps> but she just fucking took off. And then, like, she slams on her brakes. And she, like, took a beat in the car. And I was like, I've been there. Yeah. Um, that's, like, when I walk too fast past a doorway and my, like... Bl- belt buckle or loop or whatever gets caught on the handle oh and yeah you go and, you're like, and it jerks you back <laughs> yeah. and you're like i was and it always happens when you're in a rush like you have somewhere yeah. to be or you like really have to pee and you finally got to the bathroom and or it gets it's stuck just like a really bad day and you're like why and that's the thing that makes you cry not yep. because it was that but all of the things before it it was the last needle in the haystack but she got out she put the pump back in damn she kind of like laughed closed the nozzle on her like uh closed the thing and got in her car and drove off and then oh my god i've seen two things today oh my god this morning in the dunks line oh because this is new england there was a girl in front of me god love her she had she actually had a my favorite murder bumper sticker which i loved because i was like okay you're one of us like you listen to true crime thank you so much and um she cut the wheel too soon, man, and ha- I swear, I thought she was going to flip. She went over the curb. Yeah. And her car rocked, like it slammed, like she oh. bottomed out, it scraped the hole underneath. Baby girl didn't even stop. She was like, I got places to be, bye. Yeah, she just turned that podcast up. She's like, I didn't hear it if it can't hear me, bye. And like, <laughs> she just took off. I was like... I, I love women drivers. I love it. I saw this. I don't know if it was like a real or a TikTok. It was probably a TikTok first. But um, just this guy calling things in their relationship what their relationship people call them. Like not like curbs. He's like, I call curbs oopsies because that's the sound you make when you hit them every time. Like, yep. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the funny thing is, is my fiance sent me a video and you know, you've all seen it right where it's like the car flies off the road into a ditch comes back out and like it like jumps back on the road and lands and they just keep going straight and he sent it to me and he was just like you i had a moment kind of like that i was like where did you get that video of me like shut up so rude people are videoing me and they don't even ask for my consent no i had a moment like that today on the way here because the guy so i was it was going down like a one lane basically road Mm -hmm. it wasn't a one way but one lane either side Mm -hmm. and the guy in front of me was i mean i should have known because he had already stopped super fast before but they just weren't paying that close attention i guess and they slammed on the brakes to a complete halt they had nothing on i was like what the fuck is happening I literally had to like maneuver off the side because it was so fast that I didn't have enough time to fully stop, stop. And then it was just a guy in front of them turning. I was like, can you just like fucking pay attention better? Because then I had to do like a woo, like cuts. You had to do a whoopsie. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't listen. 
I do whoopsies on my time. I don't want you to make me have to do a whoopsie. Like, I do whoopsies all by myself. Thank, Thank you, you very much. I'm a very I'm strong, independent woman. Great at wheelies when I want to. I don't need no man. No. And I can do all the whoopsies. Thank you very much. And Mr. Big Truck, you fuck yourself. Like- I mean, really. <laughs> no, but I, I'm not that great a driver. I won't say I'm the worst, but I'm definitely nowhere near... I'll the say best. this, when I am properly medicated and awake, I'm an amazing driver. <laughs> watch out, world. <laughs> but if but you're not, not, also watch, watch out, world. world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's been the driving tea. Other than that, I feel like life is life. I'm loving your little kitten. Um, Oliver is running around right now. I hope you guys can't hear him, but there's lots of kitten pitter patters. And if you hear a cat chewing on cardboard, well, that's mine. You know whose it is. Mm-hmm. Newton today started his day off with poop in his tail, so that was really fun. Which means you started your day off with poop in his tail. Yes, I did. I was like, "Good morning," and he like hopped down on the floor, and I heard like a thud, and I was like, "Ew." And then I looked and there was just like a little nugget stuck on his tail. And I grabbed it with like a paper towel and I went to like give him a little love in. And then I like I felt the other poop like stuck in his tail. And I was like, it's 6 a.m. You motherfucker. Like, I can't. (laughs) So then I'm like, you nasty ass. Slowly pull it out. And I'm realizing more and more that this is map material. This is not like pull it out with a paper towel kind of deal. So then I had to, like, grab him and, like, cut out the mat of all the poop in his tail. And he was like, ah! And I was like, I know, me too. Thanks. There's a song, and it goes, a single mom who works too Too hard hard, for kid and never never stops. stops. (laughs) You're cutting poop out of hairy tails. (laughs) (laughs) I am a survivor. Thank you. But... Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes the poop is along for the ride. Oh, it is. Even uninvited. Don't worry. Newton was not harmed in any of this. In fact, he got way more treats than he probably should have for not killing me during it. So he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to shit on my own tail. So every time now. I know. I made out great with this (laughs) transaction. He's like, I don't have to clean my own ass for this. Noise. Yeah. Well, and then he was like, so before I got to like cut it out, he was like trying to clean his butt. I'm like, you were just licking shit. Stop. Stop. And then he's going to lick your nose. Yes. So. Cats are great. But they're so cute. They are. They're awesome. And that doesn't happen that often. No, that's maybe a once a year max kind of thing. So I'll take it. But there's nothing like a skitty. Damn. You remember when he like made little SOS marks on my carpet with his poopy ass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was like Do doing the dog that? scoot across the floor. I know. Mm-hmm. For those of you that have been with us for a while, you probably remember that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone can forget it. <laughs> well, speaking of unforgettable, I Ooh. think it's time that we get into this case. Oh my God, please do. Yes. So skippers, hi. Hi skippers, stop skipping. We're going to start now. Soup's on. Pod's on. But um, hi and hello and howdy and welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast y'all shouldn't have about time for true crime hi oh (laughs) really you guys don't have to do that but it's so nice that you say it every week i mean really it means the world we love the validation so 
If you're new around here, I'm Abby, and we bring you true crime stories every week with a plethora of research knowledge in the field, dry humor, and as much respect and empathy as we can bear as two mere humans. Allie and I have been having these conversations for years, and I actually think that they started with like a true crime one-a-day calendar that you had like way back in the pandemic Lovato. Yes, I did. I had um, it was a true crime case a day, and and I yes, I was one of those weirdos that saved them all because I liked looking through them again later. Like I'd forget what they were, and I'd go back. So I never even ended up really ripping them off. I would just look at the next day. Yeah, because and then I would look at them like don't don't go without me. Yeah, you wouldn't let me like turn the page without reading it too. I was like, I gotta know. So. Uh, I think that's how all this started. But if you're not new around here, we're so glad you came back. A little reminder to please rate, review, leave us a comment, follow us, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever, and also Instagram. It's so encouraging to get notes, interactions, and notifications that remind us that even though we're talking alone in a kitchen, the ATFTC fam is really all around us. Now, I do want to get into today. I do want to get into today's case, but I first wanted to take a little moment to issue an announcement. Ooh. Friends, I'm so sorry about my last episode's flow, or kind of lack thereof. In efforts of normalizing mental health care, I wanted to share that my mental health was in fact mental healthing, and that two weeks ago, I was definitely having some trouble live, laugh, loving. But we are on the track to back to normal which I we love don't think you have anything to apologize for it sounded great well and i know i can be hard on myself but i also don't want to take the severity of what we do lightly like people lose their lives people really have the most tragedy and devastating timelines right after these tragedies and i didn't want that to be the reason that it sounded dehumanizing or anything and i don't think it did but I just want to make sure that it's known that, like, I care very much and I want it to sound good and maybe a little less book reporty. But I think we're back on track. The other thing I wanted to say, though, was that part of what's helped that is that, you know, going to therapy and taking your meds and practicing the little tools that they teach you for your little mental health is very good and important. And sometimes tools that haven't worked for you before work for you now. So, for example, um, daily affirmations, if you've heard of these, are, are not my jam. Um, I am particularly hard on myself and also anything I have to do every day is very much a struggle. So that is not something I get into. You're very mean to my best friend and I really don't like it. I am. I'm a bitch to her. I know. <laughs> but something that actually has been helping that made me like cackle was in the last few weeks, I was on the phone with my mom and I was talking about it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm a friggin' delight. <laughs> and now anytime I'm like, damn it, I'm a friggin' delight. I just like cackle to myself. I love so that. So if you need a reminder, you two are a freaking delight. And you can also always talk back to whatever mental health shit you got going on. I love that. <laughs> um, But anyway, I did want to get back to this week's episode. I did just want to remind all of you of that. So... You are all a freaking delight. You're so cute. Anyway, this week, while we're now in November and hanging out in like the late fall, early winter, I did just kind of want to wrap up our spooky ooky season by doing kind of a fun mystery. Ooh. So it's definitely a windy, twisty road. 
And today we're going to start with some fishermen when instead of pulling up the yummy fish they could catch, they pulled up a dead body instead. Ooh. As always, I'll list the resources up at the top. So I used Documentary by Real Stories. I used History Press, The Sun, The London Free Press, and Plymouth Herald, and like a billion fucking others. You can see them all below. Love it. Like always. But let's hop into it, shall we? We shall. So today, we are time traveling to 1996. I love time travel. In England. Oh, crossing the pond. So it's going to be a cold summer morning. Okay. On the morning of July 28th, 1996, the high was 68. But as it was early morning, there was a ton of sailors shivering in the 55 degree weather, starting off their Monday morning to sea. I'm imagining grumpy, gruff men who have big yellow raincoats on and they're already wet and their fingers are already like pruney and they're just like, fucking Monday. One more time? Yeah, you heard me. (laughs) I don't think I could do that voice again if I tried. (laughs) But I'm sure nobody was excited to be up and doing heavy manual labor and fucking on the sea, like (laughs) of all places. And except maybe the fact that like doing the labor would make them a little bit warmer. Yeah, maybe. So that I think everybody was like in the Monday slumps, if you would. Everyone was tired and sad to be out of bed, but they were doing their best. And as these sailors were actually fishermen, they were ready to make some catches. Near the coast of Tainmouth, the fishermen weren't catching shit. No one was biting. No one was going into their little friggin' nets. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? It's Monday morning. So they go out a little further. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hopefully we'll get some more good good out here. And to nobody's surprise, they did. Um, I think it's pretty known that shores are overfished and generally going further out into the fishies home finds more of them. But they went out and they found a lot, so to speak. I suppose they hurled a fishing net over the side of the boat, waited for their little fishy friends to swim in before hurling it back up. I don't think they're calling them fishy friends. I'm, they're calling them food. I know they're that, calling them money. Money. Cha-ching, bitch. Mm -hmm. Um, but they knew even when they were hurling it up that they caught something big. You know, the difference between a large net of little fish swimming around and a net full of one very large thing. Initially, they thought they had maybe caught like a porpoise or like a small whale or a shark or something. And they were trying to decide if it's worth it even to pull it in because they're like, we still have to make money. And Loki, nobody wants to die from a fucking shark today. Like, <laughs> Yes. But they brought it up anyway just to see what they got. What they didn't expect, though, was instead of fish, instead of a porpoise, instead of a shark, they pulled up a dead body. Oh, God. So not the catch of the day they were expecting. But a catch of the day. To say the least. Okay. And now these men had to decide whether or not they were going to give up a full day's wages and work and profits. To, like, alert the authorities in a proper way. The answer is always yes, by the way. It is always yes. And we can commend our fishermen because they said, yeah, no shit, we're going to go do that. Good. So they turned their asses around. They came back and they said, um, hello, Britain's 911. Uh, we found something. <laughs> Britain's 911. <laughs> so 
The body was unidentified, but in great condition, considering it had been sitting in the ocean. Oh, okay. Our John Doe was dressed in a long sleeve shirt, trousers, brown shoes, a Rolex, and no identification. His pockets were turned out. The Rolex said it was the 22nd, so like a week earlier or something. And nobody had been reported missing, much less a person who could afford a fucking Rolex in 1996. The only identifier on John Doe's body was a strange tattoo on his right hand. It looked old, faded, and somehow smudged. I don't know if saltwater does that. Scientists, can you let us know? Oh, like if over time in the water, right? Tattoo, sm- or he had a shitty tattoo artist. Could be that too. It just wasn't identif- identifiable as anything. It was just like a bunch of blobs. So I'm curious if something about the soaking or whatever might make the stain of the tattoo spread, if you will. But I don't know. The examiner thought that it could have been like a cluster of stars or something. Okay. If that gives any idea. Now, the only other breakthrough at this time to help us figure out who our John Doe actually was, was the Rolex. Surprisingly, I guess a genuine Rolex has a serial number on the back. So like all of them have serial numbers. Yeah, and that you makes can sense. Sort of connect them to who bought them. And I assume that's like a company only thing or like I have a warrant whose freaking watch is this kind of thing from mm-hmm. the police. But they actually didn't find their information out that way. They found out because the serial number was connected to a repair shop locally and they told them who brought in the watch. OK. And that man was Ronald Joseph Platt. Ronald Joseph Platt. And now you might be asking. Who the fuck is Ronald Joseph Platt? Well, I, I was going to ask. That yeah. was a great question. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I could anticipate your needs. So good to me. Mm-mm. But <laughs> so Ronald Joseph Platt, who I'll hereby call Ron, Ronnie or Ronald. And honestly, later on, I'll probably call him Ron, Ron. We'll talk about it. But this is Ronald Platt. He was known to live last in Chelmsford, Essex in England. Chelmsford, by the way, is in East England. I did have to look it up because I know nothing. But um, I did find out around this time that Ronald, I don't have an actual birthday for him. This was in 1996, but I'm going to say he was like late 30s, early 40s. Like he was. He was very young. Yeah, he was very young. And he was not quite like middle aged, but he was getting there. How awful that just by accident. Yep. Fisherman come across your body and i'm like on a fucking freezing monday morning are you kidding like there's no better time and also for them i mean they they see shit every day i mean ultimately like that kind of work you have to get used to like blood and guts and you know all that kind of stuff like it's it's not glamorous by any means i don't think anybody would call it that but nobody signs up to discover i'm assuming a murdered man if we're talking about it here but a dead body in right. the middle of the like that is I'm sure you imagine pulling up a lot of things or different possibilities. Right. But a dead young guy is not one of them. No. And certainly not one that's still very much intact. Like there's not really a nicer way to say this, but the ocean is really harsh on decomposing bodies and things. The fish are hungry. The little amoebas are hungry. Everything that can get their fucking hands on any nutrients from bones are hungry. Yeah, the the natural order of things being that 
you you go back into the soil you go right. you know everything gets used broken apart everything which is the ultimate recycling yeah if you will which is awful that those i don't know it's just like that that can happen to a body and someone wouldn't even know right. that that happened to somebody like and that was somebody yet how amazing that he could have been in the ocean of all places for at least a week and he still is identifiable enough that's insane that it's nuts so it's very weird even from the very beginning of all of this but again i don't have an exact birth date i know it was earlier this was 1996 so i'm thinking 50s 60s somewhere around there that ronald was born okay but when police got in touch with the landlord from Ronald's last address, he gave them the name and address of a guy who was his reference, which like fun fact, I did find out that British people call their references their referees. And I was like, wait, that's kind of cute. Aww. Like, I'm the referee, referee, and you're the referee. Like, <laughs> Would you be my referee if Always. I moved to England and need that? Yes, babe. You. Safe. but you're out this detective peter redman called up this reference a mr d davis when detective redman called up mr davis he initially didn't want to have to break the news about why he was calling over the phone respectable which is respectable i think it's respectful i also think it makes a lot of sense if you're doing an investigation that you'd want to be around someone in person I, I also think that as awful as this sounds, because I know it's it's got to be some kind of form of manipulation, too. But if you want information from somebody, giving them devastating news and then trying to pull information from them is a lot more difficult than if you try to get that information while they're kind of clear headed. Right. Before they know that, as awful as that sounds, I don't necessarily agree with it. But it's also one of those things that trauma brain does a lot. Like your memory gets fucked with when you have trauma. And so sometimes for the sheer truth of it, for the level headed, the clear minded, like the ability to have the information as least interrupted as possible, that makes the most sense. Definitely. And I think that if you were to be given devastating news tomorrow and someone asked you what you did yesterday, then it's really difficult even though it was just yesterday. Yet yeah, I have no fucking idea because my mind is 100% preoccupied with this. Right, exactly. And I'm assuming the reference would be like a best friend or something if it's like that kind of relationship or if it needs to be more of like a former landlord. I don't know what they I would do. I am not sure. It sounded in this case like it was someone that Ronald had a very good working relationship with. I don't know if he ever rented property from him or anything but it does sound closer than just like this person signed my lease yeah if you're asking them if you can throw their name down on something then there's got to be some kind of rapport there right exactly however detective redmond was not able to get anything out before mr davis was asking constant questions what is happening why are you asking what is happening is my friend okay and ultimately, Detective Redmond have to, had to say, no, no, your friend is not okay. We found a dead body off the coast and we think it might be him. But I'm trying to get some information so that we can confirm, see what's going on. Now, uh, Detective Redmond said it is hard to tell a reaction over the phone, but Mr. Davis didn't seem terribly shocked, didn't seem taken aback. He didn't seem <laughs> super upset. He didn't really have a lot of questions. He was just like, okay, well, let me know if I can help. He was cordial, but not like, 
Not Ronnie. Not my good friend Ronald. I don't like that that much. I'll but be honest. I also know that if someone's calling you asking questions about something and they're like, yeah, he might be dead, but we don't know. I, If I wasn't someone with generalized anxiety disorder, I might be apt to take that with, you know, the times. I, I might not want to react until I knew. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that's sort of what we got as a tell on Mr. Davis before we learn more about him. So Mr. D. Davis turned out to be a Mr. David Davis, which I think is a fucked up name. David Davis. That, yeah, you have pretty much, there's only one letter difference there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now listen, I already am like on the fence about two first names. That stresses me out. But two first names that are only different by one letter. It's like Ricky Bobby. Exactly. And hey, you guys, if I call him Mr. David it's Mr. Davis. I'm just dyslexic and this is hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's if, David if, Davis. If you hear Mr. David, no, you didn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you hear it, watch your fucking mouth. It was Mr. <laughs> Davis. <laughs> sorry. But it is David Davis. Now, I also think that's an incredibly English name. I don't know why. It just feels very Britain to me. It could be worse, but I could see going by D if he did. Exactly. And Detective Redmond believed David to be American. He presented as like very well put together, but he was casual. He was affluent, but not in a way that it was like, check out my YSL bag. It was like, I'm going to have the super expensive like linen shirt that only other really rich people know is really fancy. That looks like the one from Walmart, but yes. okay, go off. Yeah, that yep. one. And again... Detective Redmond thought he was American, but never really asked him. And they kind of got together to talk about everything, to ask some questions, get some information. So David said he either helped Ronald get set up as a businessman. And -hmm. somewhere in there, France was pulled in. I don't know if the business was France-based or if either of them were technically French. It does not sound like that in the slightest. But I do know that David had a lot of connections with other European countries. He had been to Switzerland. He had some companies and bank accounts there same with france so he was like a very well-to-do man david also said that that tattoo on the back of ronald's hand the one with all the clusters and the stars and shit Mm -hmm. um was supposed to be a canadian maple leaf which is very curious that sounds like it wasn't a canadian maple leaf unless it got distorted in the water well and that's the only thing i can think of is it was like either a cluster of stars or a fucking maple leaf i don't know but it didn't look like either by the end so i'm not entirely sure if he just had a really shitty tattoo artist or if the sea did some magic then a few days later after they initially spoke david did send detective redmond a photo with ron in it and he circled ron and was like this is him <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, And Detective Redmond thought that it would be the end of the Essex investigation. It was assumed Ron simply fell overboard on a boat trip. Was he a fisherman? No, but he seemed connected with well-to-do people. Like, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary if you live in a tiny island to know someone with a boat. But even still, no one really reported an accident. No one's going to be like, hey, so my friend went over and he didn't come back up. Yeah. And so it, we should look for him. It's not like the Titanic with like 53 lifeboats. Correct. So I don't even know if that's the right number, but it wasn't enough. I know that. So <laughs> yeah. But either way, it wasn't enough. Nobody reported anything. We didn't know anything. But Detective Redmond was like, okay, 
He probably fell over. That makes the most sense. Nobody here seems to have any flashing red flags. Poor Ronald, though. That's awful. I know. Um, Before they could close the case, though, another detective wanted to speak with David about the case. Just, I think he had a few more follow-up questions, like, do you know if he knew anybody with a boat? Question (laughs) mark. Things like that. Right. Do you, sir, have Have a a boat? boat? Any idea? Um, But... David wasn't answering his phone. He'd call like a bunch of times and David wouldn't answer. But it was really weird because David had already worked with them. So he should know like at least the beginning of the department's phone number. You know what I mean? Like maybe the extension was different. Maybe. Yeah. And we probably aren't assuming right now that he's avoiding the police altogether because he was just helping them out. Exactly. So what do we do? We turn to the one connection we do have with David, which was Detective Redman. He said, okay, I'll get right the heck back out there. (laughs) Makes sense. And eventually he even drove himself to the address that was on the referee letter for Ronald. He said, all right, I'll go see if I can catch him at home. But when he got there, he knocked on the door and two people answered. And they were like, and he said, hey, is this the farmhouse? And they said, no, it's right next door. Who are you looking for? And he was like, oh, um, I'm looking for David Davis. And... They said, that's two first names. That ain't it. I know. And they said, well, tough shit, because he doesn't live here. Ooh. And he said, mm-mm, huh? And they said, nope, no, just Ronald Platt lives here. Oh, no. And when Detective Redmond followed up with asking them to describe Ronald, he was actually described exactly as the man Detective Redmond knew to be David Davis. Okay. <laughs> so Detective Redman went back to the couple, who we learned to be Frank and Audrey, which is just like a cute name. I love Frank and Audrey. And they were so sweet, but he went to ask them more about Ronald and the living situation. I really like Detective Redman because he seems very down to earth, but also very introspective. Like he wants to be very analytical and good at what he does. And he says he often thinks... Like he often goes down this wormhole in his head where he thinks about what would have happened had he not accidentally gone to the wrong door. If he had just gone to the right house. Wow. We might not know anything we're about to find out in the next 11 pages of research I have. Damn. So. The good news is he did go to the wrong house and he followed every bit of every lead that they gave him. Elaine Boyce was Ron's girlfriend. How we got to Elaine, I think from David. I think he talked about Elaine because Elaine and Ronald had been together for a very long time. Okay. So I'm going to keep referring to David as David and Ronald as Ronald, just so we know. But. But he was living as him. We're not sure because he was his referee. If this was just like an old address or something, we we don't really know. But. Hmm. What we do know is that the man who fell overboard, we're calling Ronald, and the man that is helping, we're calling David until we know any different. Okay. But Ronald had been dating this woman, Elaine Boyes, for a long time. Like, certainly over a decade, but I want to say something like 13 years. Oh, wow. So it was a significant portion of their lives. She described him as a gentle fellow who was just lovely, very kind, kind and came across as very warm. Elaine also said that his prized possession was his watch, the Rolex. So that checks out. Um, 
she seemed to be really into photography and even did this full shoot with Ron of like his Rolex on his hand. Like it didn't look like a marriage shoot or anything. I think she was just playing around. But she had like this whole scrapbook and it was so cute. That documentary from Real Stories had a lot of interviews with Elaine. So anything I'm saying from her, I'm saying straight from her mouth. Oh, okay. Which is pretty cool. But it is really sweet then to see her like flip through old things she had and like get a little insight into what their life actually was like. And that's awful because the thing that kind of helped identify him was his favorite thing. Right. But but how sad. And that that's the only thing that was there to identify him. He didn't have a wallet. He didn't have anything else identifying other than the fucking weird tattoo on his hand. I mean, I think we'd all like to think that people would know, but people have to know to know. Right. And I'm glad that she was there. I'm glad that she was able to answer some of these questions. But Elaine could help with far more than just who Ronald was during his life. She was actually able to also connect the two of them to David. Elaine said that she had worked in an auction room when David Davis walked in. This was years ago. It was a quiet day and the phones simply were not ringing. We've all had those where you're just like sort of twiddling your thumbs until it's time to go home because there's nothing else you can possibly do. But I think it was like an art studio or something because he came in and she remembers them having like a long conversation about art and all of the auction items in general. Elaine said... He was kind and he was funny and charming. And in a direct quote, almost perfect. And this was about David. David. Yes. Okay. Because he came in and they were chatting. And by the end of their talking in that auction room, David had offered Elaine a job. He was like, okay. actually, you kind of know your shit. I want you on my team. Let's right. chat. And Elaine is probably fucking ecstatic because she's like, oh, nice. This like person who is kind and charming walked in and wants to offer me a job and he already knows what I do and he seems very well to do so I'm sure it's a raise you know what I mean so right. she's pumped and Elaine had to be like that's really awesome but my boyfriend Ron and I are going to move to Canada and I you know I don't want to lead you on I don't want to like make you do all this work to get an employee for them to just leave whenever I'm going to leave and David was like, oh, my God, no worries. That's amazing. This job pays great and it'll help you save for your move to Canada. So he didn't have a problem with it at all. Okay. He was pumped. And once Elaine started working for David, Ron and David hit it off fucking immediately. It was like bromance on the first glance. Like it was nuts. Aww. And so it was so quick, in fact, that David offered him a share in his new company. Which, by the way, was called Cavendish Corporation. You say so. Um, and I believe that right after that, he may have even made Ron the primary holder of this company, which sounds a little weird. In part, David had told Elaine and Ron that his ex-wife was chasing him for alimony, so he didn't want the paperwork in his name. Okay. Essentially to save money. But also, I think he just trusted Ron a lot and was like, all right, you'll do things with me. So I think it kind of worked out for both of them. Ron and Elaine now had a lot more money than they ever did before. And David was like, great. These are two very trusting, trustworthy people. Love it. So Elaine's job was to travel to more inland Europe to scope out properties. So she would go to like France, Switzerland, Germany, all these places that David had business connections 
And she would basically send back reports on like the different properties, what they wanted to do. And I'm assuming it was primarily a residential business, but it could have been business buildings as well. It just I didn't get that impression from it. And while she was gone, Elaine was also asked to make some deposits in David's foreign accounts. She was there. So she'd like go put the little Swiss francs in the little Swiss bank and put her little euros in the French bank. I don't know. Maybe. No, because England uses pounds. Okay, yeah. So she did that. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone also thought that David was great. Like, not just Elaine. Everyone did. David was consistently at his local parish in the church. Um, he'd allegedly been in church most weeks in the exact same pew as many weeks as he possibly could be. And the reverend there was so nice. He ran all the services and thought that David was so kind and open and friendly. And he was very helpful around the church itself. David, I think, was struggling a lot with the divorce he was going through with his ex-wife and sort of like reconciling with that. Hmm. But the reverend at the parish was like, so into him he he described him as a good egg which i thought was cute but elaine followed that up and said like religion really helped david in a lot of ways like he would talk about it a lot he'd share his beliefs and she said it also just made him feel more trustworthy like she knew where his morals were yeah you know and i think that's true for a lot of people who share religion it can be a really comforting piece of knowledge for someone. Right. Even if you don't agree on much, you agree on that. Right. Exactly. Right. David also had a daughter, Noelle, and she was described as shy and in awe of her father, hmm. which is really sweet. So in December of 1992, David gave Elaine and Ronald a very generous gift for Christmas. He got the two of them a pair of plane tickets to Canada. Wow. Yes. He said if they went by February, so he gave them two months to sort of wrap things up and go. He said, if you go by February, I'll pay for all of the travel expenses. Which is like, damn, damn. Okay. Thank you, David. And Elaine was like, Ew, David. Mm-hmm, thank you. But also, <laughs> hey, kind of what the fuck? Why is so soon? Like, is everything okay? Like, yeah, why, why do we have to be out by February? Where's the urgency? And he was like, no, I just, you know, you've been here for a while. It was about the timeline that you said you wanted. I figured I'd give you some time. It's all fine. Like, I just want you to go live your dream. I care about you guys and you seem excited about this. I want to believe him. I really do. But mm, we're but. talking about him here. <laughs> On paper. On paper. That sounds great. And, you know. David was super into this. He really wanted his friends to like go live their life, go live their dream, except he was still in the middle of this divorce thing, right? Right. And so he still couldn't really have the company in his own name without giving over half of everything he made to his ex-wife, which David wasn't so keen on doing. He said she was very well off and just like kind of greedy. So like he didn't want to play into it. So he told Elaine and Ronald, he said, listen, you guys can stay in the company, do your move. You'll still be like the directors and like have your shareholds. But just so we can do business better without overnighting everything everywhere, why don't you just let me make a rubber stamp of your signatures? Hells no. And that's what I said. Hell now, no. I don't know if you're picking up all the flaming fucking red flags I'm putting down here, but do not do this. Do not give somebody a stamp of your signature. Do not do this. No. But they did. So according to Elaine, the transition was not a good one. 
I guess despite the fact that her and Ron had been together well over a decade, um, it was just a really shitty transition. I mean, they moved to Canada in the middle of winter. It's big. It's cold. It's much like Russia in that way. Um, <laughs> and also, I mean, what do you do? It's like isolating. There's nobody out and about to like run into at the farmer's market. to Out say, and about hey. or out and about? Out and about. I'm sorry. She was out and about on the moose the other day. And she ran into this guy from Minnesota. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see it being... Moving anywhere new is difficult. Right. You don't know anybody. It's cold. So people aren't like, there, there's no block party you're going to go meet neighbors at. There's n- yeah. none of that. That's that's isolating and challenging. So, socially, it's isolating. Elaine isn't near any of her friends or family. And like, it's the 90s. You can call, but you, but you have to call after work or on the weekend when everybody's free and you can sit around on your wired telephones from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. like twirling the little cord in your hand you can't just shoot a text and be like boo i'm sad i miss you love you yeah i mean they had cell phones but not everybody had a cell phone right and in 96 i mean what it was the brick like Mm -hmm. so ronald also had a really tough time getting a job which i mean when there's nothing coming in there's nothing coming in and yeah they were both still directors of the business but like They didn't want to rely on that forever. And I think the goal was for them to transition out. Like they were living in a different fucking country now. Yeah, it wasn't their their end goal anymore to stay there. Right. And so fast forward to 1993, not even five months after Elaine and Ron had left. Elaine came back for her sister's wedding, which is exciting. That's always a fun time. And Dave actually was invited. David was like a close family friend by this point. So he saw her and he was like, Elaine, oh my God, what's up? How's life? What, how you doing? Where's Ron? And she was yeah. like, I'm not going back to Canada. Oh, no. Ron is staying in Canada. I am not going back to Canada. This did not work out. This was not great for us. It's okay. Happy to be back. Happy to see my sister. It's a good thing. So they broke up. Seemingly, yeah. Mm. And to be fair, even in all of the documentaries, she is described as Ron's ex-girlfriend. So I think there was some time of a split between our time periods here. Which, again, lends me to believe they broke up. But Elaine was like, he's staying. I am not. So uh, David was pretty upset about this, though, if I'm being honest. Was he, he though? was like, listen, I really like Ron. Why don't you like Ron? Do you mind if I go for him? Or? Is that okay? Like, I really like Ron. I don't think you should break up. And it's like, okay, that's not going to make her change her mind, sir. Correct. Um, She didn't move across a country to a different country to come back because she was like, oh, it's just a little tiff. Like, <laughs> Right. But he gave it a good go. So just days after Elaine came back, David just packed up and moved away. David. Elaine had no information. She had no details, no address. All she had was a phone number left. That was it. And at least the phone number worked. But like, how often are you calling your friend business owner guy? I'd be calling him a lot if he still has that stamp on my signature. I'll be honest. Seriously. Um, but here's the thing. What? From that moment on, David started calling himself Ronald Platt. Oh no. For the next three years, David Davis disguised himself as Ronald Platt. Fuck, so is he the one that's dead? Ron didn't <gasps> oh! know as he was in Canada, at least in the beginning. 
Elaine didn't know she'd been cut off, and come 1996, Ron had returned and somehow died and been found in the water, and David Davis was nowhere to be fucking found. Bum, bum, bum. The next time Elaine heard from David, three months after Ron had been found, he didn't even mention it. At the end of their phone call, Elaine asked how Ron was, and David was like, I don't know, I haven't heard from him since June. So no one had connected Elaine to Ron yet. So nobody had told Elaine that Ron was dead. Okay, and so they live in Canada very briefly. She comes back, then he comes back, not together. Correct, separate. And they're not together, they're not like romantically involved. Right, but now this mutual friend they have, David, is on the phone with Elaine, and it's been three months since they found Ron's body. And she doesn't even know he's dead yet. She doesn't know he's dead. And oh, no. David doesn't fucking say a word. Oh, David's no. David's like, I don't know. Hope he's good. Oh, you ass. Yeah. It was only when Elaine got caught up with the police that she realized David wasn't telling the truth. Ugh. And the police mentioned they talked to David and David said he couldn't help. So Elaine was like, what the fuck? How long ago was that? And they were like, oh, it was like months ago. It was weeks and weeks. And she was like, well, I fucking talked to him in the weeks and weeks. So, like, something's wrong. The next time David called Elaine, she got scared. He was in, like, fine mood. He was chipper, upbeat. And she wasn't sure if she was going to say that she knew. She's like, I don't know that I want to tell you that I know. Mm. But Elaine is a very good, honest person. She was like, you know what? No, honesty is the best policy. I'm going to say it. And she's like, and I want my stamp back. I know. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, we do not get closure on the stamps, by the way. This man like, might I'm, still have them. I'm so anxious. I <laughs> know. Uh, he, he genuinely might still have these people's no. signatures. It's terrifying. But um, she was like, okay, listen, I, I know Ron's dead. And I think she posed it like she was telling him. So mm. she didn't have to be like, I'm catching you in a lie, you fucker. But she was like, Ron's dead. And David's entire tone changed. He was no longer upbeat. He was no longer chipper, which makes sense. You're talking about the dead and someone that you both care about. Mm -hmm. But he was like a little more urgent. And David said, I really want to see you. Like, we just, we have to talk. We need to talk together. Like, we need to catch up. We need to know what's up because, like, life is too precious. You know, like, it's so short. He posed it like that. You motherfucker. And so Elaine's fucking terrified. She like doesn't want to upset him. And she's like, fuck it. Fine. Okay. Yeah. We'll get coffee. Fine. Right. And In like, a public I place. feel her temple pulsing. Like, with like, CCTV. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Where's the little like home flippers? Mm-hmm. Like something like that. And a lot of people to hear what you're going to tell me. Yes. But Elaine says it was a weird cup of coffee, but not necessarily an eventful cup of coffee, which is. Good news, all things considered. She didn't get the shits after. That's good. No, exactly. Good, good, good. David kept talking about how sad he was for Ron, the tears he's shed, and the prayers he's sent up, you know. The prayers he hath prayed. Exactly. And Elaine said, yeah, but like it all felt really shallow and disingenuous and just kind of surface level, Mm -hmm. you know. So when he left, she was like, boop, 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 British 911 what the fuck <laughs> is that the kim possible <laughs> yep call me beat me if you want to get him um but <laughs> so elaine 
called the police and the police had already decided they were going to arrest him if they found him. Wow. They felt like something was off and they needed to know what. But I think if nothing else, they had him on identity fraud. For using the stamps. For using Ron's identity for years. Because remember, Ron left three years ago in like 1993. And from that moment on, David was like, I'm Ron now. So they caught on to that at this point. It wasn't just her that put it together. They know that he had rented property in that name. I don't even think she knew. I think they knew and she was like, yes, my friend David, our good friend David. And, and they were like, like yeah, okay, David. But, but that's Ronald. Right. Okay. Or who's calling himself Ronald now. Right. Um, and so they were like, all right, we at least have enough for that. So thank you for letting us know. We got you. We're on it. We're going to go grab him. Mm-hmm. And he had taken a train there. That was, you know, part of his transcendental experience of mourning their friend Ron or something like mm-hmm. sobbing on the train. Sad boy hours, I guess. But because he took the train in, she was assuming he was going to take the train out and that he'd end up back in Chelmsford where he came from. Mm -hmm. However, when the police went to Chelmsford Station, there was no sign of David. Instead, Detective Redman went back to that little old farmhouse he'd been at not so long before. And there was someone at home when Detective Redman got there. Ew, David. He got there. He sat down. He waited. And he remembers waiting because he had to go like before everybody else. But they had already said that he was like an American guy. He might be armed. They weren't really sure. And he seemed dangerous. They knew he was stealing identities. They didn't really know what else was up. I mean, if he's suspected in any kind of murder, yes, you assume danger. Right. And so he said, I am not a fully armed officer like that is not what I do all the time so I have to wait for armed backup to come mm-hmm. so he was pretty much just like casing the place popping a squat right while he was doing that a little taxi pulled up who and who walked right the fuck out to that taxi but our man David Davis okay yep or David Ron at this point <laughs> David slash Ron right so a taxi pulled up and David who had been inside comes right the fuck out Okay, like, he's like right here to the taxi. My he's like, here. all right, woohoo! Like whoop whoop, I'm on my way out. Chip chip cheer you. And so him and the taxi driver got like kind of a ways out before anybody pulled them over. What? And I think this is probably just because Detective Redman was waiting for backup. That's all I can think of because they had been in the car for like a while before blue lights happened. David Davis was like, "I'm really gonna get away with I it." I know. And then it was like whoop whoop. <laughs> I tipped my hat, got in that car, bye. I know. Wow. And even the taxi driver was interviewed in like some of these documentaries and he was like, I even looked over to him and I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like, do oh, I poor guy. But Detective Redman walked over and he said, good morning. Do you remember me? And David, Ron was like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do remember you. Hey, howdy. Howdy. Good morning. And Detective Redman said that. All right. I'm arresting you under suspicion of murder. Oh. And David was very cooperative. He didn't seem angry. He didn't upset. He didn't seem sad. He was just was like, all right, I'll do whatever I got to do. But there was no emotion. Not positive, not negative, nothing. Not surprise, not what do you mean? Nope, not me. Who? Who's, who? Me? Wait, David slash Ron? David Davis Ron? <laughs> so at the Chelmsford police station, they did a bunch of searches. Obviously, not only on David slash Ron, mm-hmm. but also like everywhere they could get their hands on, right? Correct. So initially, the search of David 
found documentation in both pockets. One pocket had documentation for David Davis. The other pocket had documentation for Ronald Platt. Ooh, I wonder which one was which. And police now had proof, like hard proof, that it was David stealing Ron's identity. So David Davis isn't dead in the ocean. It's still Ronald Platt. Damn it. I I was really thinking we were going to, I cracked the code here. That would have been a hell of a Nancy Drew moment. I was like, call me Sherlock. Not yet. (laughs) So when they did their further background research, they realized that they caught the jackpot. They sent out their little fingerprints because it didn't match anything they had. Right. And what do you do when you don't have any fingerprints? You send it out to Interpol. A uh, quick tangent. For those of you who aren't sure what Interpol is, it's an international police organization. They help connect police, aid in language barriers, identify criminals, and help standardize record keeping and a whole hell of a lot of other things. But they're kind of like the big bad guys of the police. That's so cool. You know what I mean? I know. I'd love to be an Interpol. But um, when they sent out the fingerprints to Interpol, they found out that who they had was not Ronald Platt. We knew that. They also found out that who they had was not David Davis. Mans chose David Davis. Mans chose David Davis. They David found Ronald out Davis. That David Ronald Davis Platt was in fact on Interpol's most wanted list. Oh, she was an international criminal. Hell yeah. Yes. So again, all of this is not enough to connect David to Ronald's genuine murder. But what we did find out is that this is enough to teach us a lot about who David was. And I'm going to hold on to who we find out his name to be. And I'll reveal it to you shortly. But we're still going to call him David for the time being because I think three names is just too fucking many. So, well, it already is David Davis. I mean, anyway. Anywho, yeah. Hmm. We don't need to uh, Ricky Bobby anymore. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Most evidence in this trial actually wasn't gathered until after David's arrest, which is kind of high pressure, at least in my head. But yeah. um, they actually got a shit ton, which is great. The Chelmsford Police Department did great work and they were able, able to gather significantly more evidence for this trial after David's arrest and specifically after this call to Interpol. Here's what they found. Do, 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 do. On the drive to David's house... They went to arrest his wife because they were like, you had something to do with this. Except he was married. Yeah. Hot little thing. Yeah. No, we didn't know anything about that. We just knew he had the daughter and the divorce. But he's oh. married. I guess. Okay. Um, so he so was lying about. Oh, they went to the house and David's wife was very worried, but they had a child and an infant. Oh, so she's like, you know, getting everything ready. She's like, that's fine. Like, you know, we. They helped her connect some sort of child care. I don't know if it was family or what, but she was able to like put together some bags for the kids. And here's the thing as she was packing the bag for the kids. So one's like an infant and the other one's like a toddler. Maybe um, she threw together the overnight bag for the toddler and the police were like, listen, babe, that looks really heavy. Like we'll carry it for you. And then that moment happens where they like go to grab it and they lift it up and it just like drags their arm down. It's so heavy. Ooh. And they look in it and look, little Miss Thing stacked this whole thing full of solid gold bars. Bitch. <laughs> For a fucking toddler? Like, what's he going to get? 80,000 gumballs? Like, she was 
Oh, she was in on it. She was definitely in on some part of it. And you're not going to make sure your kids... She's like, yeah, chew on these. Yep. Oh, come on. And this was just the beginning, though, because also in the house, like after she had gone and they had taken her into custody. She knew they were onto them. Um, They found 25,000 pounds in cash, 8,000 Swiss francs, 17 other gold bars, and also paintings valued at around 6,000 pounds. That's a wow. lot of fucking liquid money. Mm-hmm. And that's not even what's in his freaking foreign bank accounts that he had Elaine going and throwing shit in. Right. So David was very helpful prior to the interview. He was even helpful after the interview. But when they actually sat down to interview him and the tape went on, his mouth went shut. He mm-hmm. very politely, but very adamantly refused to answer any questions that they had for him. Okay. And, you know, it was a grind for sure, to figure this out. So in part of their house search, they came across either like a docking bill or a service bill for a boat that David had. So he does have a boat. He does have a boat. Ooh. It was called the Lady Jane. You. In case you were curious. Asshole. Um, and by the way. The That's cute, though. I do kind of like that. The Lady Jane was nowhere to be found, though. They knew he had it. It couldn't have been a docking bill because they couldn't figure out where it was docked. But like. They found some kind of paperwork that... Right, that connected him to this boat. And they couldn't find it at all. They were, like, looking up and down the coast at, like, different docks. They were looking at areas to store them. Nothing. Offer the toddler one of the gold bars. Maybe she'll tell you. I know, literally. Daddy, <laughs> Lady Jane, here. Ugh. But um, all of that to say, it was on, like, you know, the whiteboard of ideas in a police station when you're right. going through all this. It was, like... All of the things that could possibly connect something to something. And the lead investigator on this case came in and they're like, oh, Lady Jane, what's up with that? And they were like, oh, my God, it's his yacht. Like, we're, that's his boat, but we can't find it. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm a sailor. I sail around all the time. I know exactly where that is. I pass it. Seriously? Yes. So they find his boat at a dry dock of some kind, which is nuts. All because this guy fucking travels around and likes to be on his boat. All of these things that were just random circumstance, like it was meant to be. You can't convince me. Yes. And <sighs> sure as shit, they found it and they brought it right to the PD for forensics. Hells yeah. And what did forensics find? But traces of Ron's hair and blood on a cushion. Real Ron? Real Ron. Ron Ron. Ron Ron. As well as a bag from a shop called Sport Na- Nautique. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Which I'm assuming is just like a sporty little nautical shop. I love that though. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Platt's fingerprints were also on that bag, all over that bag. In fact, the real Mr. Platt. The real Mr. Platt. Okay. And during the house search, they also matched a receipt of a purchase of an anchor to that same shop. And actually, it was the same day that they like went out on the boat. So they stopped there first. Okay. Is this the day that Ronald was found? But no, not the day Ronald was found. Okay. The day they believed that Ronald Ron- went out on the boat with. Ronald went out on the boat. Okay. Yes. So um, here's the thing, though. That they also found out. Obviously, they interviewed the shop owner and he was like, yep, two men came in and like gave them the descriptions. But when they took a look at the Lady Jane, they noticed two things. One, that anchor was nowhere to be found. Two, mm-hmm. 
the Lady Jane already had an anchor. And three, it was very incompatible with the kind that they bought. So that sounds like they tried to weigh down Mr. Ronnie's body. Sure does. Now, am I right or did I get this wrong too? No, this time you're right. <laughs> Woo! I'm Sherlock again. Hooray! <laughs> and again, the anchor didn't show up until that frightful day that Ronald's body got drudged up from the sea. Wow. So thinking that David was American, they sent the fingerprints to Interpol, and within a few hours, they actually got his identity. Was he really American? No. Ooh. Interpol sent back and said, thanks, but just FYI, this man isn't Robert Platt. This man isn't even David Davis, which we already fucking knew. This man was born Albert Johnson Walker. Albert. Albert. And boy, was he a big bad wolf. He was a fugitive from Canada and was wanted for the theft of multiple millions of dollars. Checks out. So Albert had been living in Ontario with his wife, Barb. Albert. So not the sweet little thing with the gold bars. Mm. I'm guessing this was the actual divorce he talked about with Elaine and Ron, where he was like, eek, it's really bad. Um, I need to put everything in your name and can I make the stamp? And also, can you put money in my foreign accounts for me? Thank you. In case you missed that part on Elaine depositing money for him on her trips. So all of that to say, Albert um, was not having a great time. It was a very bitter divorce and he had actually been arrested trying to break into his own home at some point in December. Birdie and Barba. I know. Barba. Barba. Barba and Birdie. Barba. Barbie. Barbie and Bert. Bert. <sighs> but I guess I'm assuming there was some sort of protective order if he couldn't be in his own home. Know what it looked like in their case, but he was arrested for trying to break into his own house where he lived at one point with them. Yes. But a month later, so 1991-ish, mm-hmm. like very beginning of 1991, um, Albert just disappeared. Just gone. Well, Barbara's probably relieved that he was gone. She was very stressed because so was her middle daughter. Oh, my God. Is that Noelle? <gasps> and also, the other people that Albert knew weren't so pleased because that $3.2 million that he took off with was all their money from his investment firm. Oh, no. Um, so not a lot of people were pleased that he was gone. And no one was pleased when he was around. So this was a shit show. And yes, uh, their middle daughter was... Missing. Gone. Poof. That's terrifying. And for the mother to be like, yeah, okay, you're an asshole, but where's my kid? Right. And so Albert didn't go alone, though. He did take their middle daughter. Her name was Sheena. Mm -hmm. And Sheena and Albert were allegedly going on a skiing trip. But then a month passed. And then two months passed. Longest skiing trip ever. Well, it could have been shorter than that, but it got worrying after some time when Sheena didn't fucking come home. Yeah. You know? And so Barb starts to panic, as of course you fucking do. Yeah. Because Sheena's fucking 15. Oh. And her terrifying ex-husband, who is in the middle of a bitter divorce and getting arrested for breaking into their house, is the only one with eyes on her, and nobody knows where he is. Right. And he's not going to resurface anytime soon, because there's probably some dangerous people that he owes a lot of money to. Of course. And so Barb's fucking freaked the fuck out. She's worried for Sheena's safety. She doesn't want anything to do with Albert anymore, but she can't get anything. So eventually she puts out a missing persons report on Sheena and her face was fucking everywhere. It circled around Canada for like a long time. That's so sad. 
there was nothing. Because they weren't in Canada. We know that's because they were in Britain, but they didn't know that. They should have just talked to us. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And Canadian police knew Albert had gone to England and then Switzerland. But after that, the trail went cold. They couldn't figure out where he went after that. Oh, because he probably changed names. Yeah, I'm sure that's where he found David Davis. Oh, no. Did he kill David Davis? Um, well, no. But this is where he took on David Davis's alias. And David Davis was an investor in his firm. Someone whose money he stole. Okay, so the real David Davis was out there alive but pissed. And in Canada, like, where's my fucking money? Okay. Well, that's better than Dead. what happened to Ronald. No, it's true. It's true. Um, but still, kind of what the fuck? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so it's theorized that David Davis's identity had about run its course Boop. when Albert met Elaine and Ron. And boy, wasn't he just the luckiest con in the world? Well, it sounds like they were kind of gullible. Maybe, perhaps, and perhaps naive, especially to give your signature away. But what do I know? But he sold it and just made all these promises and for a lot of them delivered. And it sounded like they were just, wow, such good friends. I mean, he even had the fucking reverend fooled. The reverend called him a good egg. Yeah, so when when yeah. everybody rallies around you to say just what an amazing person you are, that makes everybody else want to trust you. Right. Exactly. I mean, and I think everybody wants to trust you. And then you keep showing good things and you're like, oh, see, see? Yes, confirmation bias. You are a good person. Right. So we know, though, that Albert left Canada in 1990. He met Elaine and Ron in 1991 after officially moving to Harrogate. And within a year and a half, certainly by 1993... Albert had gotten Elaine and Ron to feel comfortable with him like close friends and even made them directors of his newest scheme and paid them to emigrate to Canada. Mm. That's fucking quick. Like, that's a fast turnaround. Yeah. And then he moved 300 miles south to Devon, England as Ronald Platt. And this would have been great. He took his new wife. When an ad was out for a cottage, it was a Mr. and Mrs. Ron Platt that replied super excited to tour it wow at least according to the cottage owner albert ron and his wife showed up his wife very pregnant and while people noticed he seemed to be and this is a quote an exaggerated character uh they simply assumed it was because his wife was younger than him and he was trying to keep up his hair was dyed like You know when you see an older man and his hair is jet black and you're like, sir, I'm 25 and have like 18,000 grays already. Where are yours? Yeah, you ain't slick. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But again, they just chalked it up to him trying to keep up. Yep. And she's young and she's pretty and she's pregnant and he's probably got the jitters and he's excited, but he's nervous and you chalk it up to what a cute couple. Like adorable. Sweet. Of course, we want to rent to them. Yeah. This this growing family. And so one of the owners, Carol, said that Albert Ron liked to do a lot of art. (laughs) This is how I'm distinguishing them now. I know. So Albert Ron liked to do a lot of art. He was like a little amateur artist and he would always have something out on his easel. But the thing is, he wasn't super careful about the art that he did. Um, Not like, here's a nudie that I'm hanging out for the world to see. But Albert was here. Yeah. (laughs) But like... um, He'd have old paintings that he did. Yeah. And that's fine, except when the old paintings that you're saying you're doing are signed by David and not Albert Ron. 
you know yeah um so So, because it should say ron at this point right exactly and so the owner carol her daughter really liked art and so she'd like go around and talk with him be like oh my god that's a cool one like what's up and at one point she saw one on an easel and she was like that's beautiful like who did this and he goes oh i did it and she goes well that's weird it's it's signed david and he was like (laughs) yeah weird college nickname they used to call me yikes yeah and they believed it they were like yeah hey david david (laughs) come on come on albert ron and so (laughs) albert ron and his wife gave birth to a beautiful baby in the september of 1993 (laughs) did he assist yes um and about a year later the two owners were talking with albert ron's wife and thought it odd when she called him daddy and not like, ooh, yes, daddy, king, uh, but like, no, daddy. no, 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 Sheena, no. And the two owners did remember it and did note it, but said they were so convincing as husband and wife that they genuinely wrote it off as a pet name. Ew, no, 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 no. Wait, how'd you get pregnant? <gasps> Don't tell one me. One night, Albert Don't. Ron spoke with one of the cottage owners. And while shooting the shit, if you will, Albert Ron brought up a new business idea he had. He was actually really interested in being a marriage guidance counselor. Shut the fuck up. Um, and he wanted to know where he could go to take some courses and like learn a little bit. So over a few to months, hell, it's it's um, <laughs> you take a left up the road and you go straight the fuck down. Yep, <laughs> my guy. Uh, and then he started talking about opening up a counseling center of his own and blah 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 blah. Oh. So, however, Carol, the owner, never saw any of that come to fruition. Because the next year, the two moved to Essex, so further east in England. Here, it seems, though, the police started talking to people. They must have caught up with the fact that Albert Ron was in Essex, and he was hanging out at a new tennis club. Dude, what a ride. I am hung right? up on. That's Sheena. Yeah. No, no one was like, you know, it's, you know when people date so long, they start to look like each other? <laughs> 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 like nobody noticed like she, she's got his nose and his smile and his eyebrows and, and like when they said young wife they meant young wife oh uh, like she's not like 40 and he's 60 he's like 60 and she's like 20 okay that's not how i was imagining that also very fascinating that ron and elaine knew her as noel his daughter her name was not noel she was his daughter, but somewhere in there he started calling her his wife because she wasn't pregnant all that long after Ron left. So it wasn't like they left great. Now we can be married. <gasps> yeah. Wait, so is it his child? I'm assuming. With his daughter? There's nobody else mentioned. Oh. For the rationale behind said pregnancy. So. This just got, like, it was all slimy, schemy, wrong, but like business. Yeah. In his, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was making money. How do I do this? Remove who gets in the way. Mm-hmm. But that's just stone fucking cold. You steal her away from her mother and her siblings. Yep. And call her different name. I mean, this poor woman's been like battered. Uh-huh. And this started at 15. Oh. And I'm sure it's, frankly, I'm sure it started younger than that because this is just what was happening after 15. Mm. So... At least the police were catching up with them in Essex. Um, It seems like Albert Ron had been exaggerating himself and his life and qualifications to some chaps at the tennis club. 
Albert Ron said that he was a psychologist and he was looking for a new job. Um, he actually was really into marriage and family counseling, but um, he was just having like a really hard time getting established in the area. He was working at a place like an hour away, but he really didn't want to go any further than that for work, you know? Those who can't do teach. And those who can't teach fake being a psychologist. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, you can't say that the middle child isn't the favorite. Literally. That's all I was thinking was I was like, and the middle kid of all? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I need some levity here. This is awful. It's bad. And this all fucking could have never happened. This was so close to being an undiscovered case. Yeah. He and almost got away with it. All of this information was just like one wrong doorstep away from just never coming out. Absolutely. But anyway. Uh, a friend at the club did tell Albert Ron that there were a few medical people at the club and that he could cook them up. And Albert Ron wasn't really into it, though. Mm. Mm. Friends at the tennis club found Albert Ron quite a charming, but found it a little perturbing that his wife seemed like she could have been less than half his age. I find that quite disturbing as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Um, I know that age is just a number and all that, but if your wife is 19 and you're 60, that's a problem to me. And also, I'm assuming you didn't just meet, so... And you didn't magically fall in love the hour of midnight on her 18th birthday. So you did some grooming there, huh, yeah, bud? a little bit. Call you a fucking salon. What the hell? So, further though, whenever someone spoke to Albert Ron's wife, she wouldn't talk without looking to him for permission first. And they were like, that's kind of weird. Why aren't you social? Because she's got no skills. Because she can't. Because she was a child. Also, like, she was probably just fucking abused. Yeah, she's traumatized. But it's a really big, fat fucking red flag. Yeah, that matters. It's literally six fucking flags, except they're all red. And it's not more flags, more fun. It's like more flags, we want to die. But he is that old. And he was trying to act that young. Uh Uh-huh. Huh? A little bit. Do you remember him? You remember him with the knees? Oh, yeah. He had knees of steel. He could do more than I could. He did more than Ted Bundy did. I mean, (laughs) oh, he's trying to act a little young. At least knee wise. Yeah, literally. And so the two lived in Essex for two more years, during which they had another child. Mm. But this is where Albert Ron's web starts to untangle because in 1995, he received word that Ron Ron was moving back to England. Can't have that. Not when you're living as him. No, sure. Shit, you can't. And because, you know, it's a, it's a small place. And, uh, I mean, hell, Ronald Platt is one hell of a name in general, let alone to have two of them with the same birthday. Not far from each other. Oh, hanging out sometimes. So Albert Ron must have reached out. And Ron Ron received word from his good friend David, probably asking him on like a cute guy's date fishing trip. Aw, cute David, fishing for us. Uh, They had to make like a quick stop first, but then they'd be out for the day. Yeah, just to grab that, you know, anchor anchor to send your body. I wonder, oh, could you imagine being real Ronald? Uh At what point do you get out on the water and you just have a feeling? the anchor? Well, or you already fucking or, attached. Or you just get that energy, right? When someone's mood changes that quickly, it's unsettling. And it yep. was probably like buttering him up to get him on the boat, get him far enough from shore, and then there's just this change. Mm-hmm. And you've got nowhere to go. No idea who the fuck this is. You have no idea what's happening, but you don't feel safe. 
and the water isn't safe, but nope. the boat isn't safe. Yep. Oh my, like that's terrifying. If you put yourself in his spot for five minutes, that is so terrifying. Well, and Elaine said in some of her interviews, she was like, I believe wholeheartedly, like he trusted David until the very end because there's no way he would have gotten on the boat if he had an inkling. So it had to be like a fucking convincing act. He was like, do you keep the fishing poles over here? Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> like, uh, yep. come on. And so after all of this, we're going to time jump to the trial now. We're back to 1996. Well, thank God they got him. The evidence collecting, the storytelling, and all of the information in between meant that Albert wasn't tried until 1998. Still claiming his innocence, by the way. um, The prosecution or the crown or whatever the fuck it's called over there had a few star witnesses. Barbara. Return of Sheena. So Sheena, I'm assuming um, we we all knew she was his wife. I mean, you said it, but like we we all picked up those those things, right? We got that. Mm -hmm. Okay, because Sheena, his middle child, was his wife and also the mother of two of his kids. Um, Oh, that's just so upsetting. That poor girl. And it's. I literally wrote in my notes. Eek, ewee, ewee, icky, icky, yuck, yuck. Nope. Nah, no, not I. But could you imagine being her mother and reconnecting with your daughter after those years and finding out what's happened? No, I'd be I'd be so bullshit. There are so many victims here. I mean, how do you what do you even reckon? How do you you can't what I just the blow to like at this point your entire world her and her mother had children from the same man and that man was also her father so like that it's mm, 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 mm. fucking shame on him for all of this but for kidnapping your own 15 year old forcing her to be your wife and impregnating impregnating her twice nobody thought they should check on the at max 21 year old woman with like an old man this man was born in the 40s he was 50 by the time he killed ron which meant if sheena was 15 when they left she was not more than 21 by the time this ended in 1996 and then you think like the pig that he is how did he choose her right Mm -hmm. so he's got you say middle child yeah i don't know if that was middle daughter so if he only had one daughter then well that narrows it down but if he had several then did he choose the one that he thought was the most gullible? Did he choose the one that was, was she already traumatized? What, did right. something already happen? Did she, was she infatuated with him? Was she the the troublemaker, the one that got in trouble? Was that? Right. I, like, those, imagine those thoughts going through his mind like that. Oh, I just want to smack him. And I believe there was more than one daughter. I don't know if all three were daughters, but I'm pretty sure she had a sister somewhere. Um. And just, just it, it's just fucking disgusting. It's just awful. It's so, it's so bad. It's so, like, I don't even want to call him an animal because even animals don't do that fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> ew. So, um, in, ni- in June of 1998, Albert Johnson Walker was on trial for the murder of Ronald Platt. On the way in, he did some sort of, like, facepalm, like, oh, fuck second he walked through those doors he was cool calm and collected baby because he just put on a new persona yep he he didn't do this the rolex also provided not only a vital clue to who ronald platt was at the beginning but a vital clue to the murder in itself 
Because apparently, I didn't know this, maybe watch people know this, Rolexes, yeah, they're water resistant and all of that stuff, but like they're set to pretty much stop after 48 hours at the pressure under the sea. So even though it was July 22nd on the watch, they were pretty sure that meant it was July 20th or 21st that he was thrown overboard. And then they could match that up with the receipt from the nautical shop. But not only that, they were able to then use the date that they had to look at the boat's GPS to figure out where the fuck the boat was at that time. And hey, wouldn't you fucking know it? It wasn't too far from where they found him up in Tainmouth. And then I'm sure they could use the currents at that time to say, oh, yeah, it would have swept him this way and here and... Probably. This is where the fishermen found him. Yep. And maybe that's why he wasn't super decomposed because A, he wasn't in the water that long. B, he was in a pretty shallow spot that was able to wash him up shore further. And there was no fish biting there. So clearly there wasn't much hungry. Wow. Yeah. Nuts. Plus, now that they had all of this, Elaine came to give evidence in the trial. And Elaine was like another fucking star witness. Elaine didn't want to look at him. It was really cute to like hear her talk about it. She was like, I was going and I wasn't going to look at him. I was just going to like say the fact and like not even acknowledge his existence. So she goes, of course, you get in there and you're going to look at him like you're mm-hmm. staring right at them, giving your testimony. And she was like, yeah, that's David. Like, that's my David. Like, that's our that, good friend, David. That was who David was to me. Right. Right. And he looks just like him. He talks just like him. He's coming across just like my good friend, David. He just looks older. But like, what a fucking mind fuck. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is a friend that I was close with for a long time. And I just found out he not only murdered my ex-boyfriend, but also married and impregnated his child. And stole my ex-boyfriend's identity. And the only motivation to kill him was because he, he came moved back. home. And like, now it's probably starting to click why he wanted them to get the fuck to Canada. Because it was like, you can't be here. I need your name. Yeah, and why he was so invested in them staying together because what do you mean you're breaking up with him? If you break up, he's not going to, he'll come back and we can't have that because this is home. Who's tying him down there? Yeah. Yep. And so it was also incredibly damning for Albert's case because Elaine was the only living person who could explain the entire connection between Albert and Ron. Oh. She was the only one to be like, yeah, they met through me because he offered me a job and he was my boyfriend. And then he offered him a job and this is how this all started. And Literally. yeah, you'll find a stamp with my signature. In his fucking office. Could you get it, please? We still don't know. I'm still on that. I yeah, still... Where's the fucking stamp? This is bigger than the Taylor Swift wears the scarf. I don't care about Jake oh. Hall. Where's the fucking stamp? <laughs> yeah, where's the stamp, yeah. man? <laughs> but... Then Sheena came out to speak against her own father. Thank God. After being on the run for six years, giving birth to two of his kids, Sheena had to have been some kind of brainwashed. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. My guess is probably Stockholm Syndrome. She probably believed what she was told because it was easier. And my guess is when you're 15, there's also a familial connection that means, oh, I should trust you. Yeah, it's your parent. Th- those are the people that are supposed to protect you. And so she trusted what he said. And it's so fucking tragic. When Albert had been arrested in 1996, Sheena had gone back to Canada with their kids and like stayed with her mom until she had to come back for 1998. It's her mom's stepkids and grandkids and grandkids. Mm -hmm. 
your grand step baby and you had no idea that was even happening you would no idea where your daughter was at all and then you find out that they're together and not that just that they're together but they're together yeah and not just that they're together but they've procreated twice i mean that's just how traumatized for the entire family there are so many victims here it's it's so quite literally endless because then you think about all the people he stole like huge sums of money from Mm -hmm. and all of the people that that hurt in their life because oh i invested your college fund so that we could get you a bigger college fund but now the guy ran off yeah and then poor david davis has got his whole identity stolen that can ruin so many opportunities for you if you look up david davis now i sure as shit can tell you you don't find the real david davis so he's got some google combating to do you find albert david Arnold Davis Walker Platt, you know, and that's if that's all of them. Yeah, yeah, that's what we know of, and that seems pretty. Whatever he was doing, he had it down pat. So I'm assuming there was probably some sort of learning curve. I mean, if Ronald hadn't been wearing the Rolex, yeah, no, nothing. And this idiot, it was smart enough to take off his. Like, to take out his fucking wallet, but what, not the Rolex? Like, you're also a millionaire. You should know this shit. Thank you for being dumb. Yeah. But what the fuck? It's good that he, that was an oversight, but imagine if it wasn't. There are so many, like, so close moments to this just disappearing and not coming out at all. If that cop hadn't gone to the wrong address. Yeah. If the neighbors hadn't said, no, that's. No, wait, who are you looking for? Yeah. No, that's Ronald. Yeah. And I'm guessing, now I can't be sure, but my guess is this is the house that him and Sheena moved into after the cottage with Carol. So this Mm -hmm. has to be the Essex place because it was Frank and Audrey. But like, what the hell, right? So when Sheena did take the stand, she said she didn't know that Mr. Platt had been in Devon before his death. I'm assuming this is real Ronald Platt, not Albert Davis Ronald. Um, But... Sheena had no clue what was going on. She had no alibi for Albert, which is great. That's something she could help with. All she could do was confirm that he had gone out on the boat that day. It had been bad weather. And so Sheena also confirmed that he came back cold and wet at the end of the day. Mm. On day eight of the trial, Albert finally took the stand. When he entered the witness box, it was an electric moment, to quote the documentary. On the stand, he was confident and charming, very relaxed as Albert Walker was. Albert Walker had a problem presenting his case, though, because somewhere he did have to admit that he did some illegal shit. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. He was still claiming his innocence, but he had to be like, yeah, okay, so I stole an identity, but like, sue me. I didn't murder him. Right. And it's like, your stolen identity is the only motive anybody has to murder this man. Sure, I've committed felonies, but I didn't commit that one. Come on. And I'm the only one with reason and had anyone to gain from him being dead, but it wasn't me. Come on. You. Um, and he did say, from what I understand later on, that what happened was, okay, all right, fine. He did. He did kill Ron. Okay, but it's not what you think. He's not like some cold, heartless killer. Um, they just were like fighting and then Ron fell off the boat and then he just like didn't let him back on the boat. And then like he drowned. Oh, so that's killing him. But you can't, you can't blame him for that. Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, also, watch the jury. They deliberated for two hours and they said, guilty, motherfucker. Hell yeah. They gave him a life sentence, not without parole, though. So can't super laugh about that yet. Oh, I don't know how they do it overseas. So I, don't, I can't judge too hard because I don't know what they Laws. can do. Right. But I can judge a little bit because there Come had on. to be something you, coming. This man's a threat to literally his own children. Yeah. And the world. So there's that. Albert Walker has never shown one single ounce of remorse for what he's done to Ronald Platt or any of the other people he's victimized, including his daughter, to this not. day. He not only involved two seemingly innocent, very kind people into doing illegal money runs and fronting a bad business, he's stolen millions from Canadians and I'm sure other people with other bad businesses. He even constantly, incessantly victimized his own daughter starting at just 15. That really hurts my stomach. I know. It's so bad. Since his sentencing, Albert hasn't exactly been docile and submissive in accepting his consequences, Mm-mm. as you might imagine. In 1999, Albert appealed his conviction to no avail. In 2005, Albert was sent to a secured facility in British Columbia. And while Albert was eligible for parole in 2013... It took until 2017 for Albert to be reassessed as a low risk to offend violently again and put him in a minimum security facility. What? In 2019, Albert asked for escorted leaves to go to church, but was denied. Wait, so he's serving time in Canada even though the murder took place? Okay. Well, I'm assuming that's just because that's where the first of all of his offenses happened. I'm not Hmm? super... That or, you know... I guess the UK has a right to be like, we don't want this fucker. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but somebody needs to punish him. Right. And if it's an Interpol case, they might have a little more leeway than otherwise. I'm not entirely sure. But Albert does say he has aspirations of getting a higher degree in theology. Isn't that so nice? No. He wants a master's in God. And further, Albert allegedly won't work, but he is happy to volunteer time in a soup kitchen. He won't work because he has some illness. But um, frankly, if you can use your body to serve food, you can do that in a manner in which you meaningfully contribute to your society as well, in my opinion. Also, you worked pretty damn hard on scheming everybody. Yeah, you can get a real fucking job. Also, even if that job is just serving soup, don't fucking tell me that you won't work. If you can stand up and ladle something, you can sit at a cash register. Although probably nobody wants them with their money, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, he can do some something. You get Monopoly money. Yep. We'll count it at the end of the night. Don't spend it all in one place. So in 2019, Albert applied for parole and he was denied, but his team from the prison were very supportive of some temporary leaves or day trips. But stick to the fact if he was to be let out, he would need to do so in a slow manner, earning more time as he goes, because the community thinks that he needs more time, which I agree with. You have to fucking earn that. Why are you even considering letting him out? I know. The community is barely happy to see him leave for a fucking trip to church. Like, come on. Literally, the society as a whole is no better with him in it. Correct. Lock him up. Bye. Bye. Throw away the key. As of today, his crimes, sorry, but his crimes against his daughter alone deserve a life sentence. Yeah. And that's, that's removing everything else. That's, that's removing the life he ended. 
I'm just yep. talking about the one he ruined. Yep. And the two others he created in the making of that. Straight to the chair. Bah. Okay. So. Or firing squad. I mean, I don't discriminate. <laughs> I, you know. In 2021, Albert's eligibility to leave for short-term or long-term absences was denied again, which is woo. From the London Free Press, here's what I know about his most recent experiences in prison. He appealed that decision, but in November 2021, the board upheld the ruling, denying him any leave, which he said he wanted in order to go to church or to a drug rehabilitation program. You've mentioned that before, my guy. In April 2022, the board authorized five escorted absences so he could, quote unquote, develop community support. Who do I call about this? He's also been attending church services with an escort. Walker will be out on a 60 day unescorted absence, but he must return to his facility by 9 p.m. each night. So we're just going to ask you to promise. Because you've held up your word. Don't do it again. He's like, you wanted Albert back, but I'm actually now John Smith. Yes. And John Smith doesn't have to go anywhere. He ain't in prison, baby. He's under a restitution order that, quote unquote, far exceeds his anticipated income for years. So far, he's paid $1,500. Y'all, it has been fucking, let me see. This was 1998. It's been fucking 25 years and he's paid $1,500. I'm I'm so bullshit about this. My blood pressure. You won't fucking work because what? You you'd rather like scoop soup at a kitchen to be like he's like, no, I still have all that alimony from like way long ago that I yeah. didn't want her to get in the first place. And God forbid I have to pay her and all the people I stole from. Fuck. So he is a giver though. Don't Aww. worry. He decided he was actually going to forego getting that master's degree so he could use the money for restitution instead. Put him in a box. <laughs> I just, I can't, like, why are we even reason? Why are we entertaining this? I know. I say we, I'm not Canadian. Why are y'all entertaining this? <laughs> His absence plan does have rules he has to follow. <laughs> yeah, because he's really good with rules. Uh-huh. Walker must report all relationships to his parole supervisor, which I'm sure happens frequently and in real time. Um, he has to have no contact with female children under the age of 16. Unless oh, he's with, a predator? Yeah. That'll do it. Unless mm. he's with a responsible adult who knows his history. No, I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone's kid needs to, you know what, I'll stop. He does have to provide documented financial information on a regular schedule, steer clear of financial or investment work for any person, charity, or business, and have no other ID except under his own name. He also has to have no contact with his victims, including his ex-wife, which I'm assuming they mean his fucking daughter. I said I was going to stop. I don't think I mean that, though. Um, What the fuck, right? I... There's, I have so much to say. What I will appreciate and what I will acknowledge is that they did make sure that the special conditions were directly related to the pattern of offending, which doesn't always happen. So I will give them that. They at least fucking listened, I guess, to the crime, but maybe not to the severity of it. I'm not sure. Not really, because he's even, they're entertaining any of this. Exactly. You're going to waste more money 
paying someone to escort this man mm-hmm. into the society he shouldn't have access to anymore. Right. And we're going to pander to him for what he wants to do. Yep. Are we going to care about your feelings, oh. bud? You didn't care about Sheena's. Nope. You didn't care about your other kids. Nope. Your first wife. Nope. How about the kids that you had via incest? And then abandoned. What about Elaine and Ronald? What about David Davis? What about all the victims of... I mean... What about Ronald and his fucking life and everybody that impacted? And then, oh yeah, remember all the people you stole 3.2 fucking million dollars from? Yeah, what about them and their family? Yeah, I don't do well with this. Um, But... Just tell me he's dead already. To conclude, I cannot tell you he's dead. He's still alive. No. Had the fishermen found fish where they started? Or had Ron not been wearing his Rolex? Or had the anchor not have been picked up just before the incident? Who fucking knows if this case would have ever surfaced? Ever. If Ron would have even ever been found. But even where Ron was found was incredibly remote. And they nearly couldn't identify him. And had his watch watch gotten smashed on the way down or fallen off or even been taken off. Hell, even if Detective Redman hadn't accidentally ended up at the wrong house during his investigation and then asked a question. Actually, no, it wasn't even him who asked a question. If the people he talked to didn't ask a question. Ronald Platt would not be known as a murder victim, but as a probably very well-known false psychologist in Devon, England. Wow. Now, this is a wild fucking ride. It took us from the shores of eastern England to Canada to Switzerland to Rolex shops and incest and a man on Interpol's most wanted list. But that Rolex truly was the answer to so much more than just those fishermen's nightmares. It's amazing. I've literally never been like, congrats to a Rolex. You actually were like, you did it. (laughs) You were worth every penny. And I've never said that before (laughs) about about a watch. watch. (laughs) Like, yeah. Listen, I'm not an advocate for Rolex particularly, but I would recommend getting you a watch with a serial number after this. (laughs) As far as today... Albert is still alive. Mm. He is still sitting in fucking prison. Grind my gears. Trying to go to church and learn about God, which, I mean, I'd say yay for growth, but he did that beforehand anyway, so I'm not sure how much it really hits home. That was part of his facade. Maybe. Or maybe he just does a lot of fucking mental gymnastics. I don't know. But as far as today, this case has impacted some media. And I just wanted to drop this out there for all of you other Harry Potter stands. Ooh. In 2016, Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid, actually fronted a series called Critical Evidence. And if you wanted to hear Hagrid's impression, LOL, um, feel free to check that out. I think you can find it on Apple TV. So, yeah, I think, I mean, that's pretty cool, especially, you know, Rip, Rest in Power King. But, I mean, rest in power, King, to Robbie Coltrane and also Ronald Platt. But but yeah, that was the case of the Rolex that solved a fisherman's nightmare. I am so very much an advocate for rehabilitation. Yeah. But this case, I do not get the warm and fuzzies with this (laughs) guy. Because it was literally decades long. You know, I can understand or wrap my head around instances more 
mm-hmm. when it's the heat of the moment and it's passionate or it's some rage or some kind of situation where any other day of the week or any other time that this could have happened that the the end result wouldn't have been the same but all of these awful circumstances happened in such a way where the result was somebody dying right right you know like a you get so mad you hit you i don't know throw a punch or something and it just it hits them just right and and unfortunately they died now that does not mean that you shouldn't be held responsible to that right but to me that's very different than this decades long grooming of your child and abduction kidnapping international travel taking advantage of people and you know the ones we talked about today are not the only ones that were were victims of his and all like each case matters in determining like whether or not either someone's eligible for that or deserving of or if it's even possible yep but why with this why put this effort into this guy when it's literally his entire life has been scheming and i don't even think ron's the only one he's killed i'll be honest because it can't be the first time someone nope. whose identity you've stolen nope. has co- resurfaced when you don't expect th- you know what i mean like i think the theory and i i'm gonna say theory because obviously albert's never fucking copped up to it and i'm sure shit wouldn't tell the real truth mm. but um i think the theory is that ronald was hit on the head with the anchor so he actually didn't have to experience a whole lot of discomfort. They found some bruising on his head and then wrapped up in it and thrown overboard. That does mean he probably did wake up at some point underwater. But I'm not even sure if they could really determine the exact cause of death. But all of that was premeditated. That was yep. planned. Do you plan to reconnect with this man because you knew he was back and you needed him out of the way? You planned on stopping at this store on the way in grabbing an anchor you planned on getting him just far enough away where you didn't have to go that far but it was sure as shit too far for him to swim back yep you had no intention of him ever being let back on land you piece of shit yep oh and then also um you know i'm gonna say the big bad r word but i'm raped your daughter at least twice and of course i'm assuming Twice is like the very barest minimum, and that's all I'm holding on to, and that's still fucking vile. That is still too, too many times. Yep. And, and that's best case scenario. And that's not even considering the emotional abuse and trauma that she was subjected to and the lies, the lie that she was forced to live, the lies she was forced to accept, the lies she was forced to tell yep. for him, all of these things. I mean, give him the chair. This kid fucking called him daddy. And even the neighbors were like, I mean, I've heard some weird things, but that was weird, right? Yeah. Enough for them both to have reflected on that later, probably to say to each other before bed, did you hear that? Like, what the fuck? Did you? Or like the car ride home later? Like, did you tell me you heard, right? Yeah. Anything weird about today? You know what I mean? Anything like that? Absolutely not. Yeah. So this, this is nuts. And I believe that Elaine is still alive. From the last I saw. So that's good news. Poor Elaine. I know. I feel awful for Elaine. And I hope that she doesn't feel any kind of guilt because Ron would never have met. I mean, he sought her out. Right. Okay. Like Albert, David, Ron. Whoever the fuck. I'll just call him. How about this? How about fuckface? Fuckface works. I like that. Okay. So fuckface 
found her. Yes. Sought her out, struck up conversation, said, you'll do. Yep. You seem naive and trustworthy. And within 15 minutes, let me offer you a job. Yep. And oh, and there's a man involved too. Great. I I need him. Yeah. So we're going to be best friends. Cool. So I will create this personality that will so well mesh with you and your husband that we'll be best friends. We'll be thick as thieves. You wouldn't, pun intended, you wouldn't (laughs) even know that this is all you know what i mean like yeah. just put on such a good show because i've got a lot of practice and a lot of right. experience in doing this and the rest is history you i tell you to jump you ask how high cool all right i'm i'm down sick and, that's and then it. i'll pay you for it so you'll think you're doing a really great job yeah because it's for business and i'm just so impressed with your work ethic and what you've done here at wherever the fuck she was working right now I trust you to do all of my illegal business dealings, you know, in other countries. Cool. Under your name, on your own time. Thank you. Yep. I mean. Good news is I don't think that Elaine was act, like ever prosecuted for anything like oh, that, yeah, which I've, is great. I, but can't ima- I, I mean, I can see how they could, but she definitely wasn't in on it. But just the fact that then after this, after all of this, after lives have been destroyed, ruined, somebody is dead, his daughter is traumatized, they're like... So what was it that you wanted to do? Well, we'll see what we can get approved. You wanted to leave and like mingle and oh, you just can't talk to kids unless there's somebody there who knows what you did. How about you can't? What? What reason does a child have to have any interaction with this man? Hmm? Unless it's his infant daughter. Nope. Especially not them. We know we know what you yep. did to your kids, bud. Yeah. You're not slick. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Nope i'm heated yeah could you tell yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go for a walk <laughs> you guys this has been a two hour long episode yes. on recording i'm sure it'll be slightly less but not by a whole lot this is a fucked Ooh. up case i had no idea what i was biting off when i was like oh a man overboard yeah let me look into this and then you uncover this international yeah like i literally felt like nancy of- fucking drew i was like oh <gasps> like, yep Noelle is Sheena. <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn. Yeah. Einhorn is Finkel. Literally. So. And I thought I had it too. And I was like, it's not even I the know. real Ronald. You were like, hey. Got him. <laughs> nope. No, he got us. We mm. Sometimes you do the magic and other times the magic's doing you, you know? Yep. <laughs> wow. Some days you're the windshield. Others you're the bug. Yep. And, uh, and Albert should just be the fucking bug at this point. Can we? Can we just all band together as the fucking windshield? Not advocating for him to die. I'm just saying that why are we catering to him? Okay. Okay. Keep him in prison. That's all. That's. Also, like, consequences aren't meant to be fun. If you want behavior change, you have to change a circumstance. And that's usually with, according to Psychology 101, um, you just need, like. Was that the course title? 10 fucking one. I kind of like that. It's good. Yeah. It's P10F1. In the short hand. Yeah, that's but, so much easier to find than P101. <laughs> <laughs> but in like behavior change, you need reinforcements and consequences. So like positive things that make someone want to keep doing the right thing and added elements for what's going to be bad, right? Why are we adding positive consequences for something that we want to stop? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's like giving a toddler a Twix bar after they ate all the cookies you said they couldn't eat. It, I don't fucking care that it's not a cookie. Doesn't matter. 
He wanted to get out. You let him out. He doesn't want to work. You don't make him work. Yep. No, but he does want to get a master's degree, even though he's only paid fifteen hundred fucking dollars of millions that he owes. Yeah. No, that's good. The fact that he's even eligible for any of that and they're not like there should be no commissary for him. He doesn't get ramen. He doesn't get he doesn't get chips. He doesn't get any of that. Oh, did you want this? Too bad. Bye. That money goes to your victims. Okay. Okay. Whew, it's hot in here, no? Yeah, Hmm. no, it is. Um, Well, you guys, so that was a lot. If you wanted to see Mr. Fuckface in real time, you could go to our Instagram and look him up. Not look him up, but look up the post. It's at about time for two crime pod with periods in between every words. That's A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. Unlike Fuckface's actual consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there you should be able to find some memes and reprieves because I don't know that Allie and I are in a space where we can come down from this to do that for you. No, but you will have so many memes, repri- reprieves, happy, giggle, goofies, um, cute sweet. things. Also, we have pod pets all over. You we guys, have lots of pod pets. On. But you also have to continue to send us pod pets. And that does include like any kind of festive costume, yeah. holiday seat. I mean, you name it, we'll take it. If your dog or cat has like a cute, ugly Christmas sweater or like um, a Thanksgiving fit, let us add it. Oh my gosh, we got to see them. Wait, does your dog have cute little boots? <gasps> yes. I What's your going that. outfit in the winter? I need to know. I have to know. Do they walk like chunk chunk? You know you what know I mean. What? You know what I mean. <laughs> Are they going to get elbows? that from you saying chunk chunk chunk? <laughs> That's. <laughs> Sounds like something from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think what she means is, do they walk like, um, you know, when you're walking and like your sock gets wet yes. and then you walk that way? <laughs> they walk in like that. You know, the one where they really don't want to wear them. No. But I love dogs and cute I little love boots. It. And they're just like, what do I do with this? They're like, I've forgotten how to walk now. I'm going to walk like a baby deer. <laughs> no idea what's going on. I've got no Bambi idea. Li- I've got Bambi legs. Stop it. <laughs> I needed something. Oh, all right. Honestly, let us know what you think. Comment down below. Send us a DM. Send us an email if you can't fit it into a DM. Are you as fucking heated as we are? Because this ain't good. On Spotify, you can let us know below. I don't know if any other apps let you do that. But please, even if you listen on Spotify, but if you have an iPhone or something, I'm just saying if you leave a little review on Apple Podcast, we'll boop all your cute little noses and kiss your cute little forehead. And if you wanted to send us an email, you would do so at about time, the number four TC at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four TC at gmail.com. You guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us and for listening to this absolute fuckery. Um, And, you know, tell your doctors that we're welcome for the new blood pressure patient but <laughs> i know i just, we're sorry for your blood pressure <laughs> you're gonna like wake up in the middle of the night and just be like oh look at the stamps the stamps <laughs> where's the stamp jake i mean albert <laughs> <laughs> so um with that if i take a gander oh if only we had a rolex oh. if i look at my watch that was about, about time, time for, for true crime. crime bye stay safe and don't give your signature to weirdos